Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Cari amici, buongiorno. Oggi è il 13 novembre 2020. This is Massimo Romagnoli, an Italian politician. Alessandro Pizzino... Right now, Massimo is barreling down a European motorway, inside a luxury sedan with a brown leather interior. He's driving through Switzerland, wearing a sport coat and sunglasses. Massimo thanks his tailor as he shows off his bespoke button-down shirt. It's white, with red pinstripes. It's nice. Everyone tells me that I look very fine, Massimo says in Italian. I was complimented throughout Switzerland for this beautiful shirt. Massimo Romagnoli lives the good life. I know this because Massimo wants me to know it. And he wants you to know it, too. Massimo promotes himself in videos on social media, he projects an image of success. In one video, Massimo's standing on a train station platform in Paris, wearing a top hat, a black coat, and a suit. He's on his way to Brussels for business with the European Union. Massimo Romagnoli. He's the perfect man to help Flavio complete his arms deal. I'm Trevor Aronson. From Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts, this is Alphabet Boys. Episode 8. Welcome to The Shit Show. I don't want to expose anything. It's not my business to expose anything. It's to present the evidence and you as the government to protect lives or to do whatever you have to do. Just do it. I do not even want to know. I've asked Flavio Georgescu 
about his meeting at the Marriott in Romania with Christian, Juan, and Juan's colleague Diego. The meeting you heard about in the last episode. Flavio says he isn't the guy on those recordings. That was an act. Flavio playing the part of an arms dealer so that he could collect information for the CIA. I'm not a journalist like you. You expose. Myself, I'm not a journalist. I, I was thinking of and have the feeling I'm going to do something good for the country, something like amazing. You are a journalist, okay? I take you right now in Bronx. We live together. We go in Bronx and I put you with some drug dealers to make a deal on some drugs and let them know you're going to buy 300 kilo of cocaine. Play that role. I'm telling you. If you have the courage, come with me tonight. We're going to find some people on the street and let them know what you want to buy. With your face, with your attitude, with your voice, with your words, I'm telling you, just say goodbye because you're not going to come back. This is what's happened. Myself, I educate so much and I prepare so much. Everybody saw those videos. They were so proud of me. They said, man, you are an arm dealer. Flavio, according to his story, is trying to map out an entire network. The people running the arms factory, the people who will give him fake documents, everybody. Once he has all the information, he'll contact the CIA and hand over everything. Just like he used to do when he assisted FBI agents in Las Vegas. At the end of the meeting in Romania, Flavio and Christian tell the Colombians that they will secure a document needed to ship the weapons, the end user certificate. And they have a guy for that. I'll be voicing the part of Massimo Romagnoli. That's Elio Pagano, a voice actor. I had communicated with Massimo over email, and at one point we had made tentative plans for an interview in Brussels. But Massimo backed out of those plans without much explanation. Here's what he wrote to me. I'm not interested to talk about my past anymore. I'm focused only to my future. So Massimo, like Christian... Remember, I'm an actor, and I'm voicing Christian. We'll be voiced by an actor. Massimo's words are his, and Christian's words are his. Everything you'll hear comes verbatim from court testimony. Anyway, with that explained, let's get back to the story. I was friends with uh, Mr. Massimo Romagnoli, and um, at his level, he was not involved in any arm deals, but he was having a lot of knowledge and a lot of connections. Flavio had met Massimo through a mutual friend because that friend thought they might want to do business together. Massimo began his career running a transport company and working as a lobbyist and salesman for defense companies. He was eventually elected to Italy's parliament, and Massimo became a high-ranking official in the Forza Italia political party after the party leader became Italy's prime minister. That leader was Silvio Berlusconi. Complimenti, siete così bravi che mi viene voglia di invitarvi al Bunga Bunga. <laughs> in 2011, Massimo's political career took a big hit after Berlusconi resigned following a sweeping scandal over the so-called Bunga Bunga parties, which made international news. The details of this case are, are tawdry, to put it mildly. Uh, that's correct. Uh, they point to basically call girls being uh, hired to perform at these after-dinner parties 
uh, in the so-called Bunga Bunga room, uh, where some of them, for instance, dressed up as Obama and engaged in sort of semi-erotic fondling of one another for the pleasure of the... To be clear, I've not found any information to suggest Massimo was involved in these sex parties. But the controversy upended his political ambitions. Massimo then pushed forward in a career that kept one foot in the halls of government and the other in the corporate boardroom. He worked in the defense industry, specifically an Italian company manufacturing military aircraft. That's how Massimo came to know Flavio over a potential interest in selling ankle monitoring bracelets to European governments. They sat down together in Romania in June 2014. I was with Mr. Flavio Georgescu at a meeting about the electronic bracelet project in his office in Bucharest, and I asked him whether he could introduce me to someone from the Ministry of Defense, and Mr. Flavio Georgescu kindly introduced me to Mr. Cristian Vintila. On September 26, 2014, three days after the Marriott meeting with the Colombians, Flavio meets Massimo in Bucharest for dinner at a restaurant owned by celebrity chef Joseph Haddad. As far as Massimo is concerned, this dinner was a thank you. Flavio, ever the connected guy, had helped the daughter of one of Massimo's friends get into a Romanian university. But Flavio had something else on his agenda. Then I said, you know, I can use him to get his connections. Here's Massimo. After dinner, we went in the car, and in the car, we discussed this deal. Flavio tells Massimo about the arms deal that he and Christian are negotiating with the Colombians. Massimo knows arms dealers in Europe. So Flavio asks him, can you help us obtain an end-user certificate? Massimo agrees to look into it, and then he pulls his phone from his pocket. He wants to show Flavio something. I showed him the picture of a pistol that I received a few days earlier. I received it from a Greek arms dealer. If you're an American, this might not seem like a big deal. Massimo has a handgun. So what? But keep in mind, it's exceedingly rare to have a gun in Europe. Most European Union nations prohibit the possession of handguns. So by showing Flavio this picture, Massimo is proving he has connections. Later, Massimo gets back to Flavio with good news. Massimo says that he has a contact in Germany who could arrange for an end-user certificate from Ethiopia. Here's what Massimo says to Flavio about his German contact. He's telling me that the attached end-user certification is an end-user certification which is accepted all over the Balkans and that the direction of transport of the goods must be from the country of origin to Ethiopia. And then from Ethiopia, it can go to other countries. To other countries? Massimo means the weapons could then be rerouted from Ethiopia to Colombia, or wherever. Massimo also has a price he can quote. The end user would cost between 30 and 60,000 euros. The next day, Flavio calls Juan with an update. You have to come to Montenegro to discuss with your friend because I have everything right now in my hand. I have everything in my hand right now, meaning the end-user certificate. I have everything ready to go. How about transportation? Everything. You have to come over there. All right, brother. I really appreciate that you calling me. That this sounds... It's good news. Let me tell you something. You know, if you come, if you come right now with your friend, 
It's your friend. If you come right now, we set up the final details. Two weeks later, everyone will meet to set up the final details in Montenegro. More after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Outside the door of Juan's condo in Colorado, the place where I left a note for him, was a mat. Welcome to the shit show, it read. Juan, the DEA's informant, has never responded to my efforts to contact him. So really, the only quote from him that I have is this one. Welcome to the shit show. And it's really the perfect quote. Because that's what Flavio's arms deal is. A shit show. So Juan and his fellow DEA informant Diego fly to Montenegro to finalize the deal with Flavio. But apparently, they didn't specify which city in Montenegro. So Juan assumed they'd meet in the capital. Which city you are in right now? Which city? Yeah, because I'm on Ivata, which is like on the water. The, I don't know. But... No, I'm on the, uh, uh, on the capital of this place. Uh, Morica, whatever the name is. Uh, uh, uh... Juan is in Pagarica, the capital of Montenegro. Flavio, Massimo, and Christian are in Tivat, a coastal town near the Adriatic Sea, a two-hour drive from Pagarica. Okay, can you come to my hotel because I have all the people over here in the uh, hotel region? No, listen, listen. I am the Ramada. I Ramada. already told you the name. Okay. Uh, I, I like. I already have a set up to meet with you. I have a room and all that. So we can meet. Don't make me go nowhere because this... Flavio tells Juan that he needs him to drive to Tivat. But Juan isn't having it. In all honesty, you know, I always I always kind of follow what you suggest. this point, I, I don't want to move from here. First of all, it's, it's three freaking uh, uh, Colombians over here on a, on a weird town. You guys need to come over here. I flew all the way here from South America. We haven't slept for 30 hours. So you need, I suggest we go to sleep and we meet here sometime. The next day, Juan acquiesces once again to Flavio's shit show. Juan doesn't want to jeopardize the sting. Don't scare my people. That's what I'm saying. Okay, if we're going to talk, we're going to talk the way we're supposed to talk. I go to the lobby, we talk, and we need to the nitty gritty. We need to the bottom of the business and we get it done, over with. So we can go to the next step. That's very important. It's not enough time to be... Don't worry, Flavio says. Be okay. Be happy. So a DEA agent, Juan, and two colleagues drive out to a waterfront hotel in Tivat. There, they can see a sweeping view of Love Chen Mountain, a national park in Montenegro. The DEA agent starts the recording device as they pull up to the hotel. He refers to Juan and two other informants by the acronym CS for confidential source. The time is uh, 12.42 p.m. local Montenegro time. Uh, date is October 8, 2014. This is a meeting between CS1, 2, and 3. And Flavio Georgescu, Christian, uh, and two unknown males. Uh, Tivat, Montenegro. Leaving the agent behind, Juan and his two colleagues walk into the hotel. Diego, the informant from the previous meeting, 
is with Juan again. The third man is named Jorge. Flavio meets them in the lobby. Let's go. Uh, yeah, one moment. One moment. Alex, Alex is here. Yeah. Oops. Diego and Jorge refer to Juan as Alex. Remember, Juan's real name is Alex Diaz. But Flavio, Christian, and Massimo don't notice a slip-up. Massimo, how are you? Massimo. Thank you. Yeah, one moment. Alex is coming here. The men head to the conference room. There are six of them. Flavio, Christian, Massimo, Juan, and Juan's colleagues, Diego and Jorge. They all sit down at a conference table. There are bottles of sparkling water and carafes of coffee. The end users, okay. We find the end user. The gentleman provides us all the documentation. This gentleman provided us with all the documentation. Flavio is referring to Massimo. That's Massimo speaking in his rough English. He says the end user certificate can be ready as early as tomorrow. Flavio explains that the document must be issued along with a list of the weapons being shipped, so it cannot be produced until the final order is made to the arms factory. As soon as we establish the list, the goods which we needed, we produce the, the document. The document cannot be produced before. I understand that. How can you produce documents which we didn't know your... The conversation then transitions from the end user certificate to the list, the weapons and quantities the Colombians want to buy. Juan is translating for Diego. Lo importante ahora es saber a partir de cuándo podemos comenzar. Most important is to know is when can we get started? When can we get going? No. No, tomorrow, today. Okay, ¿qué necesita? What do you need? The list, um, Let's set up the list. How many? You're talking about the Colombians say that they want to purchase Soviet-designed anti-aircraft cannons that mount on a trailer, a system known as a ZU-23. Diego wants as many as 50 of them. Si usted tiene 50, mejor. If you got 50, it's good. 50 units. And Diego also wants AK-47 assault rifles, a type of rifle produced all over the world and in many variations. Diego says he doesn't care what variation. He just wants AK-47s. The other informant, Jorge, translates for him. He was saying, for him, it doesn't matter really what exactly the enumeration is, what the model really is. What matters for him is really is the AK models. Then Juan refers Flavio to the list of weapons he's put together, which also includes rocket-propelled grenade launchers, sniper rifles, pistols, and ammunition. And that list, can you produce the whole list there? Mm-hmm. Flavio tells the Colombians that they can ship the weapons within two weeks. All the weapons the Colombians want, it's millions of dollars worth. Flavio, Christian, and Massimo explain that they'll have to return to them with an exact price once they have the order form from the factory. That's the next and final step. But there's something they haven't told the Colombians. They don't actually have a factory lined up. In other words, the shit show's still in effect. 
That's after the break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us, so we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, 
the factory was closed 25 years ago. There was nothing there. It was just a damage, a ruin, or something looks like uh, 25 years ago closed. This is Flavio. And here's the other Romanian present for the deal, Christian Ventilla, who's being voiced by an actor. We crossed the factory, which was almost abandoned. So basically, we couldn't see anything but old machines, which were not working anymore, and we didn't see any stock of anything. Flavio and Christian are describing a weapons factory in Albania. Massimo's contact from Germany, a guy named Gerardo Tanga, suggested that they travel here to inspect the weapons. So Flavio, Christian, Massimo, and Gerardo flew to Tirana, the Albanian capital, and then drove three hours to this arms factory. Remember, their time is limited. They promised the Colombians they'd have a contract in hand within two weeks. Gerardo told the men that he represents the Albanian factory, and this factory should be able to supply everything on the Colombians' list. But when they get there, it's not exactly as described. The shelves are nearly empty. The only weapons the factory has available are some rifles, which aren't even the kind the Colombians want to buy. Flavio is stunned. He approaches Massimo on the weapons factory floor. He was a bit upset because we didn't see anything of those weapons. Mr. Georgescu himself told me, what did you make me come to Albania for? Just to see one rifle? Massimo is enraged that Gerardo had misled them about the weapons factory. He walks up to Gerardo and slaps him across the face. Everybody was nervous and anxious because we basically didn't see anything. For decades, Following the fall of the Soviet Union, Eastern Europe was the world's supermarket for black market arms, a place where military-grade hardware and high-level corruption could be found in abundance. But that changed in February 2014, when Russia invaded Crimea in Ukraine. To what America is officially calling a Russian invasion of Ukraine, Russian troops spreading out throughout the uh, strategic Crimean Peninsula The arms market in Eastern Europe suddenly faced a demand shock. Russian and Ukrainian weapons factories were only producing weapons for their own forces as a result of the widening war. And other nearby countries ordered their factories to stockpile weapons for a possible Russian invasion. So Flavio, Christian, and Massimo, having promised the Colombians that they could deliver weapons, discover that their options are limited. Gerardo, the slapped Albanian factory representative, suggests that the three men travel to Serbia to go to another factory he claims to represent. That factory will have what they need, he claims. Again, Christian. It was decided that we are not going to travel to Serbia because Gerardo Tanga could not assure us that it's not going to happen again. What happened in Albania? The four dejected men drive back to Albania's capital. Flavio and Christian decide to follow up on a lead Massimo receives. He hears that a weapons factory in Bulgaria could fill their order. So Flavio and Christian make the grueling eight-hour drive from Tirana to Sofia, the Bulgarian capital, in a rented Mercedes SUV. Flavio's feeling the pressure. 
Flavio had arranged another meeting with Juan and the other Colombians in less than a week. He was feeling very bad because the meeting with the Colombians was supposed to be... It was set up for five days later, and he wouldn't have anything in hand at the time. This factory in Bulgaria is their last chance. The company is called Bulgarian Industrial Engineering and Management, more commonly known by the acronym BEAM, B-I-E-M. The factory is run by a man named Peter Manchukov, a former communist-era security official turned oligarch, with business interests in media, finance, wine, and yeah, weapons. Manchukov and his company BEAM were both mentioned in U.S. diplomatic cables released by WikiLeaks in 2010. American diplomats described Beam as being connected to, quote, organized crime and gray arms trafficking. In 2015 and 2016, for example, Beam shipped more than 200 Serbian-made machine guns to Saudi Arabia. Two investigative journalism organizations in Europe later discovered that those weapons were diverted to Syria, where the Saudis supported rebels in a bloody civil war. So Flavio and Christian get a meeting with Peter Manchukov. And Flavio's impressed by him. He was really professional, really nice person. And Manchukov agrees to sell them 20 ZU-23 anti-aircraft cannons with 300,000 rounds of ammunition, grenade launchers, rifles, and pistols. A deal worth more than $14 million. But Manchukov has a condition. They must close the deal within a couple of weeks. And because of the war in Ukraine, Manchukov has leverage. Here's Christian. They have all the products in stock, but they were pressuring us from the point of view of timing. At that time, on the weapons market, it was very big demand on very little supply. So basically, the Bulgarians were making us a favor, letting us buy those weapons. Flavio and Christian agreed to Manchukov's demand for a quick sale. After all, it doesn't seem like that should be a problem. They have a meeting with Juan in Montenegro in just a few days to sign the contract and transfer the money. At this point, if you're inclined to believe Flavio's story, he's close to mapping out the entire supply chain for how the Colombians could obtain their weapons. The information he promised to deliver to the CIA. And I think it's worth pointing out that up to this point, Flavio hasn't received any money from Juan. In fact, Flavio is paying out-of-pocket all of his and Christian's travel expenses around Europe. But Flavio apparently does talk money at some point. He and Massimo devise a plan, which Manchukov reportedly agrees to, in which they'll mark up the prices of the weapons in the contract. Manchukov's company would then pay the difference between his price and the marked-up price to Flavio, Christian, and Massimo as a consulting fee. Here's Massimo. For example, if a weapons price was $10,000, we would ask him to indicate the price as being 15000 And then when the money would come in for him at 15000 he was supposed to give us back the difference between the 15000 he got and the original 10000 that is 5000 That profit would be millions of dollars split among them. So how are we supposed to interpret what Flavio does here? Does he devise this scheme because he hopes to make that money? And the CIA call is just 
a cover in case he gets caught? Or does Flavio come up with this for appearances sake so that Christian and Massimo would understand how they would get paid and, as a result, not get suspicious that Flavio might be up to something else, like, say, working for the U.S. government? Flavio, of course, maintains the latter, that he was creating the trappings of a real deal to protect his secret operation. It's impossible to prove or disprove this, because, in the end, the arms deal doesn't actually happen. On a cold evening in December 2014, Flavio and Christian are in a hotel room in Montenegro's capital, Pagarica. Juan's there, as scheduled. Flavio has, in his hands, the contract from the Bulgarian arms manufacturer. We showed them the contract. This is what Christian says. And then I showed them the catalog from the memory stick on my laptop. Flavio believes that his work here is nearly finished. Yeah, I, I show him the contract. I was pushing him to sign the contract. Christian was trying to show him things on his laptop, some specifications, some anything. But for me, it's just to put his signature and just leave me alone because I want to get out and that's it. I'm done. But Juan doesn't sign the contract. He says he has to call Colombia to obtain final approval from his bosses. He said, I have to talk with uh, my people. Juan walks out of the hotel room. Minutes later, DEA agents storm in. They arrest Flavio and Christian on the spot. Flavio motions to a DEA agent and says he needs to use the bathroom. Standing in the bathroom with the agent, Flavio tells him, I work for the CIA. He said, I collect this intel for CIA. Just call them and they're going to confirm you. But there, in that hotel bathroom, the DEA agent isn't buying any of this spy story spun by a handcuffed Romanian standing next to a toilet in Montenegro. He thinks it's a desperate story from an international arms dealer who's just been caught and is about to do years in prison. What would a guy like you, trying to sell millions of dollars in weapons to terrorists, be doing with the Central Intelligence Agency? So we don't care about that. You watch too many movies with James Bond. This is not true. This is you. We know about you. And I said, you're wrong. I said, you know what? Make some phone calls. This is who I am. No, if you tell us you make this whole game by yourself and you are not an art dealer and you don't know what you do, what's going on, you're crazy. There's no such a way. You, you know what you're doing. I said, okay, whatever. And they said, call, uh, call Massimo because we want that one. Massimo. Massimo hadn't come to Montenegro for the meeting and the DEA wants to lure him to the country so that federal agents can arrest him there. Agents were apparently concerned about trying to extradite Massimo from Italy, where he has political influence. Flavio agrees to help with Massimo's arrest, no strings attached. According to his story, Flavio believes he's playing on the same team as the DEA agents. So why would he ask for strings? So Flavio calls Massimo. And he tells him that there's been a change in plans. The money is here, 
in hand. Massimo, you need to come to Montenegro right away to pick up your share. Massimo says he'll fly in the next day. Flavio looks over at the DEA agent. And on the end, when I finish the conversation, uh, I hang up the phone with him and I said, fuck him. That's in the next episode. This is Up in Arms, season two of Alphabet Boys. Alphabet Boys is a production of Western Sound and iHeart Podcasts. The show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Trevor Aronson. For more information about this series or to drop us a tip, head to our website, alphabetboys.xyz. You can contact me on Twitter or Instagram, at Trevor Aronson. The show's Instagram is alphabetboys.pod. If you're enjoying Alphabet Boys, tell your friends about the show. Personal recommendations are the best recommendations. And if you want to see an illegal arms deal from the inside, again, it's alphabetboys.xyz. You'll find undercover recordings and documents related to Flavio's case. Finally, you can help us ride the algorithms by leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other people find us. And thanks for listening. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. He was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my hosts as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.